John, what's going on with old Vladimir Putin in the country of Ukraine? I 45 minute monologue with no notes. Begin now. I have no idea what's going on. I have said from the beginning, as you remember, I've not said it publicly on this podcast, but I've said in many texts and emails and whatever else we, however else we communicate, that Putin was never going to invade Ukraine. And now, no, I don't think I'm, I'm feeling that confident in that prediction. I think he is going to invade. I think COVID made him go crazy. I love this theory. I, it's not just my theory, though. I've seen I've seen news articles about it online in real publications. Really? He's a huge germaphobe. I didn't know that about him. It's something he shares with our former president, Donald Trump. And uh, he got really isolated during COVID. All his meetings were virtual. He only He only was in the same room with a handful of people. Everyone knows about his famous long table where he met with, uh, who was it, Macron to try to hash out some diplomatic solution. And I think he just further lost, I just think it broke his brain in a way that maybe his brain wasn't broken before. And I don't mean to say like, oh, I don't like what he's doing, so therefore he must be crazy. I don't think it's just that. He's always seemed like a person who acted in self-interested ways. Yeah, that's what I feel. I feel, I don't know if it's the COVID that made him crazy, but I think if he does this, he is crazy. I think what he's doing right now isn't necessarily crazy. Not yet. Yeah, so it's pretty reckless and wild, but uh, he hasn't taken the step yet. It's going to be one of the true YOLO moments of of military history if he invades Ukraine, right? We haven't seen anything like this in uh, you know since our parents were kids. You're talking about a good old fashioned throwback European land invasion, man. That's old school. Yeah, so you'd have to be crazy to do it because what do you get out of it? Well, you get Ukraine because there's no way uh, he could be stopped, right? He'd win that war. I'm not a military tactician or any way, but it seems like he has a more powerful army. So he'd win despite how many casualties he were, would have. They would eventually take over Ukraine. And so then they'd own Ukraine. So that so they'd win. But they would lose all of this um, goodwill among the rest of the planet, I would think, and then sanctions would hurt them more than winning Ukraine. Is that not right? I don't know, man. I don't think he has much goodwill among the planet. And now he's tight with China. Who cares? What's he care about the rest of the planet? If he's if he's teamed up with China, it's all love. Yeah. He's got all his Bitcoin. He's probably just hooked up. Yeah. He's the richest man in the world, right? That's what they say. Maybe he's not crazy. Maybe COVID made us go crazy and he stayed sane. Maybe so. What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to stop him? I don't know. I have no. I have no hot take on this. Yeah, John. This is one of the few times in the history of our podcast where we can't offer up a bite-sized, a hundred percent effective solution to a problem. Most problems, you and I can usually come up with a solution, and the solution isn't usually that complicated, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, this is one of those rare exceptions. What uh, yeah. to do with Putin in Ukraine? I don't know. Okay, so that's happening in the world. So that's all good. Then there's all this stuff about how we froze all of Afghanistan's assets. Now everyone in Afghanistan is starving. I don't want to talk about this. This makes me too sad. And then they're going to split the money between 
humanitarian aid or give it to the Afghan government and give half to the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund? What? Yeah, of which half will be taken by lawyers that right. used to work in the Biden this administration. This is working out well. Those lawyers, are they lawyering very hard? <laughs> it's crazy. God. What a disaster. That is awful. So Biden sucks for that. Yeah. But on the bright side, John... Oh, yes. We're recording this on a Monday. It's probably going to come out on a Tuesday. And John wanted to, when we were discussing all these depressing topics, John said, but we should also talk about some good news. So, John, why don't you share the good news with everybody? Well, the good news is Tuesday is Tuesday in more than one way. It is Tuesday as in the number two. It is two, 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 two. And at some point, it will be 222. PM or AM and AM. It'll happen twice. There'll be two two amazing moments on two 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 Tuesday. You're telling me that two 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 is going to have two 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 twos? Yes. Baby, that's too much. I got it. Nice, right? I got it. Two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So everybody remember it's Tuesday, February twenty second, twenty twenty two. It's a true Celebration of the number two. If you're two years old or if you're 22 years old, right. this is a day for you. In fact, my sister-in-law's favorite number is 22. She's probably going to be loving life on Tuesday. Why is it 22? I don't know. She just loves the number 22. I remember that. Mine's 21. What kind of favorite number is that? 21. It was uh, Jimmy Black's uh, number for the UNC Tar Heels. He was a point guard. He was my favorite player. So there you go. Numbers. Speaking of numbers. Yes, do it. There was some North Carolina redistricting news this week, which we need to provide an update on. These are the maps. These are the famous maps. Yeah. So to recap, a couple of weeks ago, the North Carolina State Supreme Court ruled that the North Carolina General Assembly's legislative maps were unconstitutional. The House map that they had drawn had basically a 10 to 4 split in favor of the GOP, uh, could could even be 11 to 3. Uh, so the court gave the General Assembly until last Friday to draw new maps, which it did. And the revised congressional maps for uh, that they are proposing to the court is went from a 10 to 4 GOP advantage to a... Six to four GOP advantage with four toss-up districts. Let's remember that North Carolina, as of the new census, has 14 congressional districts. So that's our total, 14 congressional districts. So basically at this point, the Democrats have to win three out of the four congressional districts to have a tied 7-7 delegation. It's doable. They could even win all four in, in a wave year. But some people are wondering if the map is will pass muster, and uh, the Supreme Court has until the 23rd to make a decision. Uh, that's Wednesday. That is Wednesday, and they need to do it by Wednesday because candidate filing is the following day. That's Thursday of this week. So they drew a bunch of maps also for the North Carolina State Senate. And the North Carolina House map, those also still advantage the GOP, but they, again, are improved maps. It remains to be seen how the court 
will see this. We've gone from six maps to three maps. Right. There's one map for North Carolina uh, National House districts, mm-hmm. congressional districts. There's one map for state Senate districts. Yeah, that map went from a 26 to 17 GOP advantage with seven toss-ups, and it improved to a 24 to 19 still GOP advantage uh, with seven toss-ups. So the Democrats would need to win six of seven of those toss-ups to take control. And the final map is the state, how the st- oh, what do you say? The state representative map. Yeah, the state house map. Yeah. North Carolina has 50 state senators and 120 state representatives. It seems like so many people. Yeah, it's too right? many. It, it is, yeah. right? It feels like a yeah. lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the new the new congressional map for the U.S. House is interesting. Chapel Hill, the 4th District, had gotten, in some of the proposed maps, was in this crazy district that went all the way from Chapel Hill to Tennessee, and then another one from Chapel Hill all the way down to South Carolina. That's insane. If you know where Chapel Hill is geographically, you know how crazy that is. Yeah. So they have fixed that, and the 4th District is a little more sane. It's it's Durham and Orange County and Alamance and a little of Chatham. Um, but there are other crazy districts. They split up the Piedmont Triad, the Greensboro-Winston-Salem area. Um, and they kind of, if you remember the first proposed map that the, that the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court knocked down, they had gone into Madison Cawthorn's district and redrawn it. So it wasn't as red as before. And they'd carved out part of his district to create a district for current North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore. And then what did Madison Cawthorn do once his district got slightly more competitive? Yeah, Madison Cawthorn basically bigfooted Tim Moore and said, oh, you're going to do that? You're going to stick it to me? I'm going to jump out of my district into yours. And um, when when Tim Moore heard that, he said, yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm going to run. Incredible. How do you get high-handed by Madison Cawthorn? It's not good. But anyway, these new maps have put a further twist on this drama between Moore and Cawthorn. Yeah, it seems like the the state lawmakers are, you know, trying to make peace with Cawthorn. They've taken his old district and sort of returned it to where it was. So now Cawthorn, if he wanted to stay in the district that was drawn for Tim Moore, it's much more competitive. It's not a, a place he wants to be. So he's probably going to jump back in to the 11th. The district he currently represents. That's right. And the district where um, Jasmine Beach Ferrara is running. Chapel Hill High School alum. That's right. So she has been running against Cawthorn, not running against Cawthorn. And now she's running against Cawthorn again. And what's your evidence for that, Detective John? Well, she is somewhere in there. She quietly updated her bio on Twitter. To say that she is running against Madison Cawthorn. So it sounds like JBF's campaign thinks Madison Cawthorn is going to jump ship for a second time. Right. Get back into the 11th and she can run against and fundraise off of him. Exactly. And Tim Moore is now saying, you know what? I'm open to Actually, I think maybe I will run. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a loser. Right. So overall, John... 
high altitude look, you're feeling better about these maps than you were, say, one week ago, right? Absolutely. You know, it. so there's, there's all these other complications. If, if um, the state Supreme Court accepts these maps, then these maps will be good until 2030, until the end of the decade. If the state Supreme Court says, no, these maps are no good, we're going to draw them ourselves, then they're only good through 2022. And that means that they could be redrawn again by the General Assembly. And it's possible that because the state Supreme Court right now, which is controlled by Democrats, four to three, because they're up for election, it's possible that the Republicans could retake the state Supreme Court and- Then draw the worst maps of all time. And then the state Supreme Court will you know, overturn all that precedent and say, yeah, we're fine with it now. Hmm. So uh, might not be good either way. Or maybe it'll be fine. Hmm. Probably won't be fine, but I think it will be better. Okay. What's a fun way to end this segment? I can't think of anything. Um, numbers. Boy, and we got some number fun at the end of this episode. Ooh, oh when we get gosh. to these listener letters, all these statisticians writing in about the birthday paradox stuff, yeah, or whatever you call it. Hurt. Damn, let's get through all this other boring hum, hum, human liberal arts bullshit and get to the numbers. All right. All right. You want to get into a portfolio update? Next topic, portfolio update. John, how the numbers look in. If you want to try Predict It, go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. Receive up to $20 in matching funds. You can invest along with us on predictit.org. Yeah, the numbers aren't looking great for me because I stupidly, this is such a rookie mistake, I left a buy order out there. You really shouldn't leave these buy orders out overnight. I had some buy orders to buy J.D. Vance on the cheap, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and then I forgot about them. And then they got filled this week. So now I have a bunch of J.D. Vance shares. He's never been less popular on Predicted, bro. Yeah. You biffed I mean, it. maybe it'll work out in my favor, but I it doesn't feel like it will. Yeah, I'm already... Uh, he is in see. fourth place now in that market. Yeah. Oh, actually, he is... Um, yeah, I'm actually up. I'm actually up four cents. I got oh. these at... Yeah. What'd you get them at? I got him at 15 cents. Oh, he's at 19. You're doing great. Yeah, I am doing great. I like how you're doing better when you make a mistake than I do when I'm trying to do everything yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Wow. My Josh Mandel shares are are below water, though. So, you know, it's all... It's, it's give and take. Ying and yang. Oh, shut yin. up. Okay. Uh... Yeah, I'm not happy that I have these JD Vance shares. Maybe I'll dump them right now. Dump them. All right, I'm selling them right now. Johnson stays UK Prime Minister through February. We only have about a week left. I think he's going to stay Prime Minister. There's nothing left to say about this debacle. I'll resent Boris Johnson for the rest of my life because I lost all this money on him. The Queen of England has COVID, John. Yeah. That's not good. I didn't have that on my bingo card. She's 95 years old and she got COVID right at the end of Omicron. Isn't it weird that Prince Charles is going to be the king of England? Prince Charles, that dorky guy. Isn't that so wild? 
That's when they'll just abolish the monarchy. I don't think anybody likes that guy. Prince Charles, he was married to Lady Diana, and he really likes architecture. I didn't know he liked architecture. He's an architecture dork. Huh. I thought he just liked to play polo. I can't believe that guy's going to be the king of England. Why? Are you saying she's going to die? I think the queen of England will die someday. She's 95 years old. He will become the king of England, and his wife, Camilla Parker Bowles, I think is her name, will Mm -hmm. become the queen of England. Because the current queen, Queen Elizabeth, gave her blessing that that should happen. Much to Prince Charles's relief, apparently. I read an article about the Queen of England the other day. Wait a minute. I'm so plugged in. That's true? Yeah, man. I thought he would become the king and she was just like... No, the Queen of England, the one who's alive right now with coronavirus, her name is Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, I Apparently know. she said... She's famous, dude. Apparently she said, I hope Camilla Parker Bowles can be the queen when my son Charles becomes the king. So now she might be the Queen of England. I mean, that's some funky stuff. Wait a minute. I, seriously... We what, can cut John? all this out. We can cut all this out because I don't know how any of this royal stuff works. I do. I read an article. I I really thought that the queen had to be like in the bloodline. All I know is the queen said that she hoped Camilla would be the queen when Charles became the king. Does it go okay. through the blood? Does it go through the women? No, it just goes for who who whoever's there. I think. I don't know, man. We maybe should cut cut this. It was like when we were talking about the grooms. Oh boy. This could be bad. The horse groom that had tested positive for cocaine in the urine or whatever it was. And we yeah, thought they were talking the about the groom at a wedding and it was a it was an actual horse groomer. Yeah. No, nah, I'm not cutting this queen and king stuff. People love royal content. I in fact, if we really wanted to make money, we would become a royal we would become a podcast where we just gossip about the royal family. Oh, the drama yeah. and the royal family is so interesting. Did you know that Prince Charles and Lady Diana had two sons? Yeah, yeah. Prince Harry and Prince Andrew. Now, one of them, and I can't no, remember which one. I don't one. think Andrew. Oh, Prin- oh, right. Prince Andrew was the Epstein guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's gaining, so we'll put him aside for now. Yeah, I think he's actually still hanging in there, though. No, but he got he got divested of a bunch of special titles and castles or something. They're, yeah. I cannot be happy with Prince Andrew. It's Prince Harry and Prince William, and one of them is married to an American TV actress named Meghan Markle. Yeah, she's bad news apparently because I heard that she. I don't know. Well, they live in California now. I could be friends with them. Oh, I thought they were in Canada. Oh, Canada? I'm not sure. We'll have to update our gossip if we if we find out where they live. But yeah. But the British public doesn't like her because they think that she turned him against his family or right, something. Right, because he made this big announcement where he said something like, I want to have a normal life. Leave me alone. And that was like a mini scandal. Yeah. There's so much to be discussed about these royal these these um, royal people, as, as they're commonly known, mm-hmm. the royal family. Mm-hmm. If we could combine, a, if we made a podcast that was a combination of the royal family gossip and also celebrating numbers in the abstract, like two, 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 mm-hmm. two, we, we might have a real viable business model. Yeah. You ever think about that? I'm thinking about it now. Because guess what, John? Queen Elizabeth II, the second means two. If we got an interview with her on 2-22-22, and we said, we're talking to QE2 at at 2-2, here's what we would say to make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would say, today on our podcast, uh, we have a very special uh, live event, podcast event at 2-22 on 2-22-22. We'll be speaking to QE2. And no question will be too outrageous. Yeah. We would get 222,000 listeners. We'd be too legit to quit. Beautifully said. 
Anyway, the royal family. It's very interesting stuff. There's much to learn about the royal family. There should there should be many history books written about them. All right. What if our podcast is called A Royal Pain in My Ass? Because <laughs> we have to learn all these facts about these people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So that's what happened on Predicted this week. Speaking of live podcast events, we've got something that's going to knock your socks off. Yes, everyone who is a patron gets free access to our Discord. And on Discord, you will have access to a live watch party this Friday, Friday. And the live watch party is me and David watching Bye Bye Birdie. Never seen this before. John acted in it in high school or middle school, but I have never seen Bye Bye Birdie. The only thing I know about it is the wonderful song, a lot of living to do. I'm going to watch it for the first time. John is going to be my ayahuasca guide as we journey through the psychedelic underworld of 1960s teenager dumb. This classic musical, Bye Bye Birdie. Great movie. I can't wait to see it. I'm kind of excited. I watched part of the trailer. I was losing my, I was flipping my wig just over the furniture. Yeah. Let alone the singing and dancing. This is like the golden age of, this is what mid-century modern furniture is all about, right? No, it's good. Everybody looks great. This Friday... 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're a Patreon member, go to the Discord, log on to that watch party channel that we've set up for previous watch parties. If you're not a Patreon and you want to join us for some Bye Bye Birdie fun, go to patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. That will get you access to the Discord once you've signed up. Yeah, and you're going to be here. We're going to be in the same room. We're going to watch it together like only bros can. Hand in hand, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, yelling into the same microphone as we watch Bye Bye Birdie. Hope to see you all there. We got a bunch of listener questions involving numbers. Are you going to do one for us? Uh, you know, the first one actually doesn't have as many numbers as as the rest, but it, it does have numbers too. So I'll start with this first one. Okay, go for it. This first one is from Emma. She writes in, I'm wondering if you are planning to enter the LA political market at all this year. It's a big year in LA politics. There's what will happen in Council District 10. There's a number. <laughs> yep. When the current mayor is going to India, what will happen with the interim mayor, and who will win the mayoral race? Plus, there have been exciting developments in Council District 11, another number. And there's also Council District 5, and the supervisorial district is also up for grabs. Lots of room for predictions. Mayor Eric Garcetti has become the ambassador to India and will be replaced in this year's election by, I'm going to tell you now, probably Karen Bass, who is currently a House representative for Western LA. But when you look on Predict It, she's dominating the other contenders. The market is who will be elected Los Angeles mayor in 2022. Karen Bass is at 68 cents. I bought him this morning. Rick Caruso, a big real estate developer, is trailing at 19 cents, and then nobody else is even above 18 cents. So Karen Bass is the odds-on favorite. Council District 10, uh, that representative, which I think is like Compton and Inglewood, he was indicted on uh, federal corruption charges. So uh, that district, I think, is currently not represented in the city council, which is kind of wild. Hmm. Council District 11, I do not know the exciting developments that she refers to. And Council District 5 and the 3rd Supervisorial supervisorial District, apparently they're up for grabs, but I don't know anything about that. 
All I care about are the big ticket items. Mayoral election. That's why we're losing control of this country, John, because people like us only care about the headline-grabbing elections. We don't follow school boards. Then we wake up one day, and the school board is now being run by a bunch of QAnon maniacs. Yeah. Maybe we, sh- maybe we should learn a little bit more about a- a local stuff. That's true. Before Steve Bannon's minions are, have set up snitch lines where if anybody says anything that makes a white kid upset, all the teachers get fired and shot or whatever. I don't know anything about L.A. politics, and I didn't know that about Karen Bass. That I certainly made a lot of money trading her during the VP search. That's right. Remember those Karen Bass VP nights? Yeah, that was fun. Los Angeles is an interesting city, and I'm happy to live there. But frankly, Emma, I can't imagine us going too deep onto the L.A. election scene this year. We'll see, though. We'll see. It all depends on the numbers. John and I just follow the numbers. You know what I mean? Yep. We follow the numbers. Speaking of numbers, let's talk about sex. Uh, We were talking last week or two weeks ago. I can't remember because my mind is muddy about the lack of um, CDC guidance about which perverted sex acts are allowed during COVID since kissing is probably now the most taboo of all sexual activities because of saliva. Thanks to all the listeners who, who alerted us to the CDC-sponsored guide to responsible sex during COVID, and also to the New York City Department of Health guide, which, I mean, this is a guide that probably would not have existed 30 years ago in terms of getting into the nitty-gritty of a certain... <laughs> more advanced sexual practices. But I was it was admirably straightforward about the risks of transmission when you're doing things that, um, John, we, when you and I were young, we didn't know about these things. Mm, no. So thank you to everybody who, who let us know about that. Some of you will remember that last week when I was celebrating our new Patreons and sending out stickers, which is true, all new Patreons do get EPM stickers, I had the uncanny experience of having two patrons in a row whose envelopes I was addressing, they had the same street number, the same four-digit street number, two consecutive new patrons. And this blew my mind. And I asked what the odds were. And lo and behold, one of our listeners wrote in, everybody buckle up, grab your favorite drink, kick back and relax, and listen to this missive from listener John. Hey, David, I'm answering your request regarding the consecutive street number problem. I am a statistician and an elected fellow of the American Statistical Association. Hmm. This is probably an even more baller credential than it sounds, and I mention it to maximize my embarrassment when someone else inevitably points out that I got something wrong in the following. My answer is in three parts. The first is the actual answer, then why the answer is wrong, and then why the question is wrong. Okay, Socrates. One, the answer... And again, he's referring to the odds that I would get two consecutive addresses with the same four-digit street number. The answer is straightforward under the simplifying assumptions that all listeners have four-digit addresses, i.e. a number between 1,000 and 9,999, and that all four-digit addresses are equally distributed across listeners. In that case, each letter you address after the first one would have a 1 in 9,000 chance of matching the previous street number. The probability of that happening X times when addressing on... Oh, fuck me. Now we're getting into the number and letter. It was algebra moment. Here we go. I'm glad you're reading this one. The probability of that happening X times when addressing N envelopes has a binomial distribution. For X equals one, the formula is N minus one times one over 9,000 times 8,999 over 9,000 to the power of N minus two. I hope I read that correctly. 
If you addressed 10 envelopes, that's about a 1 in 1,000 probability. If you addressed envelopes to all 961 current Patreon subscribers, it's closer to a 1 in 10 probability. We'd probably instead ask, what's the probability of at least one match instead of exactly one match, which would be a little higher? The formula for that would be 1 minus 8,999 over 9,000 to the power of n minus 1. I'm going to take your word on that. But now he says 2. The answer is wrong because the simplifying assumptions are wrong. And this I knew. I knew there was not an even distribution of four. Yeah. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. So here you we go. You nailed this immediately. Yeah. There are plenty of three-digit addresses. You could roughly fix this by replacing 9,000 with 10,000 in the formulas above. But more importantly, as you pointed out, addresses are not equally distributed. Thank you, John. Lower numbers will be more common than higher numbers both in the thousands and hundreds places, but also in the tens and ones places, even within a block. Mm -hmm. You'd need to get the empirical distribution of address numbers from a database of U.S. addresses to do the calculations in number one exactly. When he says number one, he's referring to that first solution he offered. I don't have such a database handy, but the general trend would be that the unequal distribution would lead to larger probabilities of matches than what we calculated in number one. Having equally likely outcomes, of course, maximizes entropy. I'm st but I don't think so, John, because, well, let's keep going before I, before I crush this guy underfoot and assume, <laughs> and assume his position okay. at the American Statistical yeah. Association. Okay. Let's, he says, number three, whenever someone sees something surprising and then asks what the probability of that thing is without having specified the question before they saw the surprising thing, uh -huh. the question I hear them asking is something closer to... What's the probability that something sufficiently coincidental to surprise me and make me wonder about its possibility would have happened here? Yeah. E.g., would you have asked the same question if there had been sequential matching names or street names or addresses that weren't the same but instead were consecutive or four zip codes in a row that all had the same middle digits, etc.? This, unfortunately, is impossible to answer and depends more on your own pattern matching tendencies than on the combinatorics. I hope I'm saying that right. This is why we statisticians, when we're on good behavior, we cry, oh God, now this guy's getting on his high horse. I'm going to read it in the spirit in which it was written. This is why we statisticians, <laughs> when we're on good behavior, require pre-specification of hypotheses prior to performing statistical inference. Hmm, you idiot. Yeah, but we kind of agree with that. That's why yeah, we exactly, John. Yeah, that's why the, the bingo card stuff. You have to have it on the bingo card ahead of time. You know, the likelihood of some of those things happening because they're coincidental aren't that unlikely. It's just unlikely you would have it on your bingo card. I am still convinced that two consecutive four-digit street numbers. And I think we can all agree four-digit street numbers are relatively rare, relative, I should say, to one and two and three-digit street numbers. Getting two identical street numbers in a row on our rinky-dink Patreon, the odds of that are like one in a trillion. And I don't care what the math says. I usually respect numbers and love numbers. But in this case, and I know I was supposed to have a pre-specification whatever, blah, blah, blah. What's the probability that something's sufficiently coincidental to surprise me? And yeah, 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 yeah. This surprised me precisely because it was one of the rarest things that has ever happened. Two consecutive, identical, 
four-digit street numbers. I wish someone from the government, the person in the government who's responsible for keeping track of all street numbers in the Department of Addresses or HUD or whatever it is, I wish they could get us the exact distribution of all street numbers and let us know the probability of two consecutive street numbers. I wish that would happen. I wish the government would help me for once. John, we thank you for your uh, detailed response, and we're and we are glad that you are an elected fellow of the American Statistical Association. But I am breathing down your neck. You may have the degree and the expertise, but I have the passion for numbers, and I have the open heart and wide-eyed wonder at the beauty of these amazing coincidences that bless my life. <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly celebrating reality with one in a trillion incidents that happen to me. What are the odds? that David Reese, Kid Midas, the original wave rider, would become friends in seventh grade with John Kimball, Long John Silver, and they would go on, mind you, two white middle-class men and start a podcast together. That's got to be one in a billion, Yeah, if not one in a trillion, right? Yeah. And we're just so lucky to be blessed by these events and these numbers. What are the odds that the first number in my age, 49, was until just a few weeks ago, the same first number in John Kimball's age, 49. Are the odds one in 49? Are the odds 49 in one trillion? <laughs> Only the numbers know for sure. And yeah. again, John, the statistician writing in from your high holy perch in your ivory tower, where you drink melted gold numbers all day and fall asleep in a pile of numbers, you think you know the numbers. And that may be true. But I love the numbers. Two, 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 two. Oh, I wish I could drop this microphone. Oh, I wish I could drop this microphone. Oh, but it's not my microphone. It's it's my friend's microphone, so I can't drop it or destroy it. Season two of Dicktown premieres Thursday, March 3rd at 10 p.m. on FXX. Available the next day on Hulu. Uh, we've got more questions about numbers. Oh, my God. This next one is the numbers are off the charts in this next one. Who's reading this one? Oh, oh my I'll God! Look, this one. What you want me to read? You want me to read this one? This is gonna. This is gonna be a celebration of numbers, unlike anything we've ever okay. had. Well, if you want to read it, you're hot on numbers right now. No, you go for it. You have the passion for numbers that I only yeah, feign. All right. Greg writes in. He said, "I'm writing in response to your discussion in episode 134." Look at that. Re- he named the episode by its number. I, That's wonderful. Thank you. Regarding the probability that a group of people will include at least two people with the same birthday. Since your podcast is concerned with assessing probabilities and risks in the predicted markets, I figured you'd appreciate an explanation of the problem. Imagine you're tracking birthdays as people enter a room one at a time. When person number one walks in, they have a 100% chance of a unique birthday, obviously. When person number two enters, one birthday has been taken, so number two's probability of a unique birthday is 365 divided by 366. He's assuming that everyone in this group is born during a a leap year. It doesn't really make a huge difference in the results. So, or a 99.73% chance that they will have a unique birthday. When person number three walks in, two birthdays have been taken, so their probability is 364 over 366, or a 99.45% chance. But the 99.45%
chance assumes that number two was also unique. So the true probability at this point is 365 over 366 times 364 over 366, which is 99.18%. And this is when the third eye opens. This is the moment when you start to understand what's happening, at least for me. This pattern continues. Person number four's probability is 363 over 366 multiplied by 99.18% from the previous step equals 98.37% chance that they are a unique birthday. This continued multiplication works sort of like compound interest. The incremental changes are small, but they build to make a big difference. Number five walks in. 362 over 366 times 98.37% equals 97.29%. Number six walks in. 361 over 366 times 97.29% equals 95.96%. Number seven, 360 over 366 times 95.96% equals 94.39%. Can I just interject for a moment? Yeah, yeah. Just to say to the listeners... I hope you guys like numbers because we're deep in the numbers right now. So let's skip ahead a little bit here. He writes, number 10 is 85.92%. Number 15 is 71.71%. Number 20 is 55.72%. And that's the 20th person walking into the room. That's right. And now we get to the 23rd person walking in the room is 49.37%. And if there's a 49.37% chance that all birthdays are unique when the 23rd person walks in the room, that means there's a 50.63% chance that you have at least one match for birthdays. Incredible. So 23 is the point at which it's more than 50% likely that at least two of them share a birthday. It sounds crazy, but the math isn't actually all that complicated. And he links to the full calculations and a chart. Uh, and the link is bad, so I made a bit.ly. It is bit.ly slash birthday probabilities. And you can look at the chart. But have you looked at the chart, David? No, I don't believe any of this. It doesn't make sense. Okay. That 23 people is all it takes to get, you get 23 people in a room sitting around like a bunch of bums on their asses drinking my liquor. And it is a 50%, 50% probability that two of them are going to share the same birthday. Mm, not in my room, but click on the chart. It just doesn't make sense. I don't care what the numbers say. And no one respects numbers more than me. Okay. I love numbers. I adore numbers, but it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's an interesting chart. You guys should check it out. Bit.ly slash birthday probabilities. All right, let me take a look. Oh, it's redirecting me to something. And oh, boy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what a chart. This is funky. This is like one of those charts where you're like, you know, sometimes on PBS, they're like, when we plot out these numbers in nature, we see that mathematics is very beautiful and has patterns. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at right here. That's right, which makes me think that it could be fake. It must be fake because numbers can't make something look so good. And I'm but saying you, that as someone who loves numbers. If you click on the data, yeah, 
then then you'll just see all numbers and then i feel a little more comfortable okay they're the numbers that's what we like to see we like to see these columns and rows of numbers because when you look on this we click on this chart it looks like wonderful wallpaper that you'd be happy to have in your in your home so i think when we were talking last week i said something like you get to 30 and it's 50 percent chance or something I, yep. I can't remember or you were but, close yeah because yeah so it's it's 23 but look at this when you get to 54 there's a 98.37% chance. Doesn't seem possible. Well, it's interesting. I don't know. Here's an answer to the same question that helped me understand, John. And I think it's because it actually has fewer numbers involved. This is from Nick. Hello. On the last episode, you referenced how you only need something like 30 people in a room to have a 50% chance of someone sharing a birthday. I can very easily explain how this works. And then when I got this, I glanced ahead and saw so few numbers. I was like, what's going on here? And then I realized, oh, he's doing it like a word problem. Listen to this. If only David and John are in a room, there's only one birthday comparison being made. David's birthday to John's birthday. If Starly enters the room, there are now three comparisons. David to John, David to Starly, and John to Starly. If I enter the room, now there are six comparisons. David to John, David to Nick. David to Starley, John to Nick, John to Starley, and Nick to Starley. Every person who enters the room is adding a number of comparisons equal to one minus whatever number they are entering that room. To the point where if you have 30 people, you're making 435 birth date comparisons. Why does 435 equal a 50% chance? No idea. I couldn't tell you. I'm a government nerd and a bar trivia champion, not a math person. Woohoo, Nick. I love it. What I can tell you is that the probability of shared birthdays doesn't hit 100% until the 367th person enters the room. Huh? 365 could possibly be one of every day. The 366th person could have been born on a leap day. So only once the 367th person enters the room is it impossible for everyone to have a unique birthday. Now, Nick's answer was very clarifying to me in a way that um, Greg's wasn't. And I think it's because Nick, you know, whenever I had thought about this, I'm a very self-centered person, John. I don't know if you're aware of this, having known me for more than 30 years, but I often think of myself first and foremost. How do others perceive me? What are my interests and selfish desires? That really informs my worldview. To put it in terms you might be able to understand if you read The New Yorker, I often find myself the main character of my own story. So I have to say, that when I think about my impression of this birthday problem, it wasn't until I read Nick's <laughs> explanation that I was like, oh, right. It's not, the, it's not that there's a 50% probability that someone will have my birthday in particular. It's that any of these people will share birthdays. Uh. I, might, I might not even be a character in this story. I might be a non-speaking extra. No wonder you thought it was impossible. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was going to have my birthday. Could I be that dumb? Could I be that self-centered? Oh, 49 years of data point to one answer. Yeah, that's a possibility. I totally didn't consider until I read Nick's thing that it's like, you have to compare everyone to everyone now. Now there's going to be so many numbers and birthdays flying around. I'm surprised it doesn't happen when there are four people in the room. The two of them share a birthday. I flipped around to the other side now. What is it if it is your birthday? What? What, what what if it is your birthday what are the odds if you did it not 
not that everyone that there will be a match between two people, but what are the odds that there will be a match between you and, and a, one it, of the specific people? to my birthday, June twenty second, the best birthday? Yeah. No one knows. Yeah. Right. No, and no one knows. It's impossible to calculate because of the numbers. Yeah. They just don't know the numbers yet. We have to wait. We have to wait until the government tells us how many people were born on June 22nd and where they live. And then we can figure out the odds of them getting to the party that I'm at, the exact same party, how far they would have to drive. And then it's not just that. It's whether we would both come up, whether birthdays would come up in conversation. And I would say, oh, okay. I, you know, like, how'd you get to this party? Oh, I don't, I, I know Tim and, uh, you I know, feel his like girlfriend. You have to make some assumptions that they're going to come up in order to make an equation. But, well, unless you're like me, where I, whenever I'm introduced to somebody, the first thing I say every time is, what is your birthday? Tell me now and don't, and don't be evasive and tell the truth. Yeah. It might not come up in conversation. But that's me. I mean, I love numbers and I love to talk about numbers with people, you know? Yeah. So I'll always say, what I say, like, what not, what are your numbers? What is your age? What is your weight? What is your birthday? What is your credit card balance? Bank account balance? Like, what are your numbers? Let's get into it. Tell me your numbers. These yeah. are called social security. Yeah. Social security numbers. Another great number. What's your telephone number? I'll say that to people sometimes. Yeah. What's the number of um, dreams that you have in your life? That's a nice number. That's more like an emotional number. You know, it gives them permission to talk mm-hmm. about softer, more feelingsy type things. Right. Mm-hmm. What's the number of your regrets? You know, there are dark numbers. All numbers are not positive. There are some dark numbers, right? Yeah, they dark numbers are it's a it's a still a universal mystery. It's like dark matter. These numbers that float around that are not acknowledged, mm-hmm. they hover in the they hover in the spaces between our and between our realities, these numbers. So mm-hmm. there's so much to discuss with the numbers. So I just can't believe that someone would ever have my birthday at a party. I think I would throw up. <laughs> I think I would run out of the room. <laughs> And that, my friends, is all I have to say about that. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. You can support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And as we mentioned earlier, if you want to try Predict It, you can go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds so you can play along. Don't forget, this Friday... 8 p.m. Eastern on the Discord Watch Party channel for all patrons. Bye bye, Birdie Watch Along with live commentary from David and John. My first time ever seeing this masterpiece. I can't wait. You're going to love it. And yes, we will be discussing the numbers, the musical numbers. Yeah. (laughs) 